Welcome to our podcast, Hey David, where Grandpa Rod talks about life and attitudes, hope and success. Each week, he raises a new topic for David to consider. We hope it speaks to you too. We also hope you'll invite your friends to listen and that you'll share your comments with us. Here is Rod with today's topic. Hi, I'm Rod MacArthur, David's grandpa and narrator of the Hey David podcast. Thanks for listening. I want David to have the best grandfatherly counsel I can give. It could be that you'll gain some light pointers too. Welcome. Today, I'm going to talk with David about weaknesses. We all have them, but how do we treat them? As excuses for failure or as opportunities to become stronger? Stronger is better. So get in the game and get strong. Let me share it with you. Hey, David, it's Grandpa. Today, let's have a power talk about weakness. If it's true that a chain is only as strong as its weakest link, does it follow that I am only as strong as my weakest character flaw? We all got them. So what do I do with mine, and how do I get stronger? Today, I'm going to talk about dealing with weaknesses. What do I mean when I say weakness? Maybe it's a physical attribute. Like, I got weak ankles. Maybe it's a particular soft spot in my heart. Like, I got a weakness for kitties. Or maybe it's a serious character flaw. Like, I have a weakness for alcohol. I probably have more than one. Should I use them as excuses for staying mediocre? Or should I focus on fixing them? I mentioned ankles, didn't I? It was on purpose. I have turned my ankle so many times playing basketball that first my mother and then your grandma got tired of taking me to the emergency room. Looks like I should have done something about that, doesn't it? Well, I did, and it helped. I started wearing high-top basketball shoes. For hiking, I got boots that came up over my ankles for support. Grandma and I lived in Moscow, Idaho, about the time your dad was born. We lived in town in a rented house on a nice-sized lot. I had a small garden in the backyard. I also had a small chicken run at the end of the garden. It was a small run, but they were also small chickens. One day, one of them got out. So, being a young man full of energy and wanting to recapture the wayward biddy, I started to pursue. As I chased the fleeing fowl down the block, and around the corner, she dropped down into the gutter. I foolishly followed, right into the gutter to get her. On the sloped side of the gutter, I rolled my ankle. I actually sprained my ankle chasing a chicken. I told you I have weak ankles. That ain't my only weakness, but it's the one I'm using here. The doctor prescribed an air cast to support my ankle as it healed, Wow, what an amazing device. We may still have it. I have used it many times. Weak ankles, see? It allows the ankle to pivot forward and backward, but not to roll from side to side. I was able to walk, even though my ankle was badly sprained. But, like I said, I also took measures to shore up my weakness. I have often purchased high-top shoes and boots for active participation, 
whether it's basketball or football or racquetball, when I was young, or hiking and backpacking in my later years. Whatever the activity might be, indoor or out, I wear ankle-supporting footwear. I have also become hypersensitive so that I detect any onset of an ankle roll. At those times, I drop to the ground rather than let my ankle sprain again. Remember these two steps. Become aware of the pending hurt and drop out of whatever activity is triggering that hurt. It's kind of a universal thought, David. Fast forward to many years later. Your dad's friend Andy and I made a trip to Yosemite National Park in my late 50s, specifically to go backpacking. On one trek, we hiked all the way to the top of Half Dome. More than once, I stepped on a rock or a root that caused my ankle to roll a bit. But because I was wearing high-top boots, and because I knew to immediately remove my weight from that foot, I didn't sprain it. I was able to continue all the way to the top of Half Dome. We had a 360-degree panoramic view of the Sierra Nevada mountains. It was spectacular. Why did I tell you this? I accomplished something spectacular, but it wasn't because I had no weakness. I might have used my ankles as an excuse, but I didn't. I adapted to and compensated for my weak ankles. That's the point. We all have weaknesses. What we do with them will determine whether we move beyond mediocrity. We can achieve spectacular in spite of our weaknesses. In fact, the effort we put into compensating for any weakness actually strengthens us. In that sense, we might say that the weakness was a springboard to strength and to spectacular success. Over the past several years, I have written short blurbs from Solomon's Proverbs to illustrate and apply each one of them. Here are three which seem to touch on our topic of weakness, mediocrity, failure on the one hand, or spectacular success on the other. I hope you find some meat in them. Perhaps you've wondered why you sometimes go through difficult times. If God really exists and loves us, why doesn't he shield us from hurt? Proverbs 17.3 The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but Yahweh tests the hearts. My heart is a sponge. It absorbs a little bit of everything it encounters, a dab of this, a dollop from that. Pretty soon my heart is an admixture of good and bad, of useful and worthless, a profound and trivial. I go through life becoming more and more ordinary, strengthened by the good I've encountered, but simultaneously weakened by the worthless. It is this weakening that keeps me ordinary. Refiners of silver and gold use intense heat and fluxing agents to remove impurities. And we're glad they do. We have no use nor desire for raw gold or unrefined silver. They have value because of their potential, but they're not useful in their unrefined state. We are ore, full of potential, but needing to be refined. Adversity, 
difficulty, and heartache combine to remove the worthless from our hearts. Metal can't think. It goes through refining inertly, simply because it was tossed into the furnace. Humans think. Sometimes we think constructively about our difficulties, and we become better. Sometimes we blame God, at least for not caring, and we wallow around in self-pity. Nothing good ever comes of this latter approach. David, next time you face heart-busting adversity, consider this. God might be helping you overcome some hidden flaw. Always look for ways that your current circumstances can help you become extraordinary. Proverbs 20, 6. Many a man proclaims his own loyalty, but who can find a trustworthy man? Remember how loudly Jesus' apostles protested their loyalty? One even boldly said, quote, Even if all the others fall away, I'll never fall away. End quote. Do you think he meant it? Or was he just blowing smoke? I think he thought he meant it. He meant to mean it. But I also think he hadn't plowed his heart deeply enough to make his words good. The exciting aspect of this story is that he immediately saw his weakness exposed and set out to plow more deeply. A trustworthy man isn't one who asserts and affirms, even with great bluster. Peter did that, and he still failed. Rather, a trustworthy man is one who takes his words seriously and with a prepared heart guarantees follow-through. Peter's later life proves he did just that. As for me, I can skate through life on a cluttered trail of empty affirmations and unkept promises, or I can make myself trustworthy by being the personal guarantor of every word I speak. David, do not let empty words be a weakness. Consider your promises and affirmations carefully. Even more importantly, make sure you always follow through. It's better to not promise and not follow through than it is to promise and not follow through. Proverbs 26, 11. Like a dog that returns to its vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Doesn't that make you sick when a dog does that? Why does a dog return to its vomit? I don't think he just wants to gross you out. It's simpler than that. First of all, he goes back for the same reason he first ingested it. There was something about it that appealed to his appetite. Also, he goes back because he forgot, or failed to associate, the unpleasantness of his first swallow. Vomiting implies that it made him sick. He stayed attracted to what made him sick, and he failed to register the consequences. This is why many people get caught in cycles of folly. Their appetites urge them forward unchecked by recollection of the last horrible outcome. This is absolutely a weakness. I see a two-part solution. First, identify the trigger. That is, in your disposition, what makes folly appealing? Identify, name, and accept this as a weakness. Disarm the trigger by generating a new mindset. Use examples of people who have overcome the same or similar issues. Secondly, put more emphasis on outcome and become less driven by instant gratification. I like what an old friend once said, quote, 
Anyone can learn from their own mistakes. It takes a wise man to learn from the mistakes of others. End quote. Yes, anyone can learn from their mistakes, but they have to want to. Here's to a life that doesn't make you or anyone watching sick. David, this last blurb suggests a powerful solution. Brutal, personal honesty is absolutely necessary to admit weakness. That's when you'll be in a position to strengthen yourself. You'll press beyond mediocrity into something special. Turning any weakness into an asset is within your reach. You will become a resource, just like many who in the process of conquering their weak link have become counselor or advisor to people on how to do the same. You'll be able to support others as they struggle with similar issues. Perhaps the greatest outcome of conquering your weakness is the genuine respect that you will generate. People admire overcomers. There's something in the human soul that admires those who master their challenges and come out on top. Well, David, I left several pieces of good advice in this short podcast. I want you to take them to heart because they will help you live better. I'm not concerned about physical weakness like my ankles. I used them to illustrate the process. What I am concerned about are those debilitating internal weaknesses that lead to excuses, procrastination, or self-indulgence. Those, if they don't destroy you, will leave you mediocre. I'm concerned about those. Step 1. Identify the problem. Overcoming weakness demands that you clearly grasp what the weakness is. You can't fix what you don't know is broken. Be brutally honest with yourself. Take inventory. Find out what areas demand your attention. Step 2. Identify the triggers. Why do you overeat, for example? Why do you cheat or steal or ghost people? Why do you give in to any temptation? Dig deep and learn why. Finally, chart a course of recovery, of strengthening. Plan your attack. Never be satisfied to let yourself stay where you are. Do not console yourself by saying, quote, well, that's just the way I am, end quote. There's always a path to higher ground. Find it. Other people's success can lead the way. Plan it, plot it out, then execute it. Overcome your weakness by diligence and dogged determination. You'll be amazed at the doors this will open for you, and I will watch in grateful admiration. I love you, David. Thanks for listening. If you got something worth holding on to from this blurb, come back next Monday. Next week, I want to talk with David about selfish greed. Stealing is a scourge on society. It costs everyone a lot of money and hurts a lot of people. But what does it do to the thief? See you next week. Thank you for listening to Hey David. If you have thoughts, comments, or questions, please send them to rod underscore MacArthur at comcast.net. Rod will get back to you. 
Also, check out the church's website, www.churchofauburnwa.com. You'll discover a ton of information. You may especially enjoy the page Blurbs from Rod. Until Until next next Monday, Monday, have have a joy-filled week. week.